I'm Jonasen Goldson, Director of Ethical Imperatives and author of Grappling with the Gray, an ethical handbook for personal success and business prosperity. And today we're going to talk about the challenge of being good versus being successful, of trying to find our moral compass, of balancing our responsibility towards ourselves with a responsibility towards others. I'm going to incorporate some of the ideas I've talked about in my speeches and my keynotes and my TEDx talk. And we're going to really try to bring out an understanding of what we can do to contribute to a more successful world that we get to live in. Stay tuned. Welcome back. This is part four of our delicious and fully kosher episode of Curiosity Bites. I'm here with my guest, Rabbi Jonasen Goldson. He is the um, director of Ethical Imperatives. He's been teaching ethics, is good business, and uh, the importance of intellectual diversity, which is what we were talking about before, and the importance of thinking and getting around people who don't agree with you. He's a TED Talk speaker. He is a keynote speaker, former newspaper columnist, and uh, author of six books. And his most recent book is called Grappling with the Gray. And we've been talking all about that grappling that we do, the ethical gray areas, the moral gray areas, and how do we sort those out? So let's jump back in to this episode of Curiosity Bites. Uh, before we finished up last time, we were talking about the aspects of this that ride over not just into uh, national leadership and political leadership, but even into business. Um, in business, we are definitely profit-driven or else there's no business. We understand that. Um, and you argue in the book that the rising uh, of that uh, ethical awareness ultimately produces a, a culture where... Um, the workforce is empowered and we become more successful. Um, but when a board asks about profit um, and the, and the CEO or the leader has acted in, in, in a way of high levels of ethics, that CEO is likely to find themselves unemployed pretty quick. How do we raise ethical awareness in the context of business? Well, one way to start is to look at all the scandals that fill the papers. Um, I, uh, in my keynote, I've talked about one of the, uh, one of the prominent banks, mm -hmm. Wells Fargo, mm -hmm. that uh, not so long ago, mm -hmm. ended up uh, fined a billion dollars. Just a small fine. Yeah. Um, now, what I, what I discovered after I had actually worked this into my keynote is that Wells Fargo is one of the 11 companies that Jim Collins profiled in his classic Good to Great Yes. about extraordinary successful companies. Yep. And, you know, if, if you want to get a sense of, of how good company culture and corporate culture and, and ethical vision leads to success. I don't know if there's a better book out there. Great book. And it, part of what he talks about is, is the, the leaders who created cultures that persisted after them. Yes. So it wasn't about them. It was about the success of the company. 
And yet, I, I don't know, I don't remember when the book was published, but since then, another one of the companies, Circuit City, is out of business. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. Wells Fargo had this catastrophic um, scandal. And there's one other, I think, I can't remember, uh, that, that I think failed or had serious setbacks. But I was being, I was on another podcast just a few weeks ago, and, and I hadn't even realized that Wells Fargo was just in another scandal. Oh, where, I didn't realize that. It was a new one. Yeah, where they had been, they had misappropriated funds that were meant to help businesses during COVID. Oh, yes, I do remember that now. Yeah. And, and, and the, you know, the host asked me, how, how did they repeat the mistake? <laughs> well, it's easy. Don't learn the lessons the first time. Yep. And you're going to repeat the mistake. So, you know, we are designed, and you know, there's so many experts that talk about this now. You know, Seth Godin's always talking about the, the lizard brain. Um, the, we've got our, our short-term goals and we have our long-term visions. Mm -hmm. And typically, short-term goals or short-term payoffs is probably a better term. Mm -hmm. are because they're short term, they're more immediate, they're more compelling, mm -hmm. they're easier to quantify. They give us that, uh, that, that whether it's the dopamine rush or, the, uh, or that sense of, of, of instant gratification. What makes us human is our capacity to see past the short term payoff and remain focused on the long term goals, the long term values. And so what I like to say is that we, we, we indulge a poisonous misconception when we believe, when we convince ourselves that we have to choose between being good and being successful. Because over the course of time, mm -hmm. if we remain true to our values, we are going to create relationships. We're going to earn trust. We're going to build partnerships. We're going to attract people of quality who want to be our customers and our clients and our partners. And that may take a while to kick in, mm -hmm. but when it does, it's going to lead to extraordinary success. So, you know, you brought up some things that, I mean, I, I wrote a piece, it's called, uh, uh, resisting God's marshmallows. And, <laughs> and it talks about how we live in a world that uh, does not know how to delay gratification. Uh, that delayed gratification is a, a, sadly a thing of the past. And, and as a result, we now have to show uh, quarter over quarter of profit at any cost. And that is the problem. And it talks about how, you know, I, you may be surprised that that article actually promotes religion. Um, <laughs> people are like, really? I won't tell anybody. <laughs> right? but, but, it, but it's from the context of delayed gratification and why we need delayed gratification to be a better human beings, to be better in society. Um, that being said, I do see a movement, and again, you know, we talked earlier before about the swing of the pendulum. Um, on one side, we have this uh, vile capitalism, I'm going to call it that, I can't think of a better word for it, which is really 
so egoic and so destructive at any cost. And on the other side, we're starting to see the growth of the B Corps and conscious capitalism and those kinds of things. And, you know, I am very good friends with the, uh, with people who are running a lot of those organizations um, and uh, through conscious capitalism and wanting to bring that to the fore. Um, but it pushes up hard against this hardcore profit-driven world where we are now seeing uh, ethics and morals shifted way out um, as we now move towards um, the, the question of the ethics of AI, because AI is not going to operate out of our ethics. Um, it's not even going to operate out of uh, the greater good. It's going to operate out of what it sees as good. Um, and it was programmed by us, but eventually we might be the problem. So, you know, the, <laughs> the, the uh, Terminator story might become true. So in business, all that stuff seems to disappear because now we have some of the most powerful people in the world are not politicians. They're Jeff Bezos. They're the Google boys. They are the, uh, the, the Zuckerbergs, the, the, the Jack Dorsey of Twitter. I mean, the, the um, Elon Musk, the wealthiest of the wealthiest people. I remember when the Queen of England was the wealthiest person in the world. She's not even close anymore, right? Not saying she deserves it, but she's not even close anymore. So it's not even those kinds of people. And so when you look at the economies of those 12 wealthiest people in the world, we begin to understand that the world is run by profit. It's not run by morals. It's not run by ethics. It's not even run by um, a separation of church and state. It's now... Uh, the the joining of state and commercialism. What you, you know again? We I'm looking for some guidance here in helping us as leaders, whether we're leaders of individuals or small groups or businesses or whatever it is. What's your sort of guidance around that? Because like you said it's not about the choice between profitable and good, but it is in the short term. It is. Yeah, and, and listen, I don't, I don't have all the solutions, and certainly not on a corporate level. Um, no. You know, it, it's, it's good to have people in the world like Bill Gates, who is, you know, making so many efforts to use his wealth to address the world's problems. Mm -hmm. And you know, he's not the only one. So it's, it's not all massive corporate greed and, and no. self-interest. Um, but and I think what we have to do is we just have to bring it way down to a, to a smaller level. Um, you know, whether it's small businesses, whether it's um, the, 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 the culture within the corporations. Uh, recognizing that a healthy culture benefits everybody. Mm-hmm. And that success is not only measured by money. And of course, this is something that we all know, or at least we all give lip service to. Mm -hmm. you know, there are plenty of unhappy rich people in the world. There's plenty of unhappy poor people too. 
Well, okay. yeah, but there are also people yeah. who are relatively poor and, and are quite content with their lives. Um, but having a sense of purpose and mission, and, and if you look at some of the, you know, there are a couple of businesses that I point to in, in at least here in America, I don't know if you're familiar with Trader Joe's. Yes, of course. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a market where everybody loves to shop. Yeah. Everyone loves to shop at Trader Joe's. Why? Mm -hmm. Well, you walk in and everybody seems to be happy. Mm -hmm. People who work there seem to be happy. Yes. They have created a culture that is a culture of community, of service. I mean, even details like the handwritten signs and, and labels, mm -hmm. you know, is that so important? No, but it's one little piece. It's a detail that helps communicate a message. It's not all institutionalized. Yes. It's not all about efficiency. It's about relationship because everything is about relationship. And that's ultimately what ethics is all about. It's about me recognizing and taking responsibility for how my actions and behavior impact those around me. And when those around me recognize that, they're gonna be drawn to me, they're gonna be attracted to me, they're going to want to have a relationship with me. And that relationship is gonna be built on trust mm -hmm. and trust leads to loyalty and loyalty leads to passion and passion drives productivity if you just look at the raw numbers, sure, you can convince yourself that the payoff is in the short-term earnings. Mm -hmm. If you take a longer view, you can see that success is something that develops over time mm -hmm. in a much more variegated and enduring way. I agree with you. Uh, in my book, Fiercely Loyal, one of the things I talked about there was the, you know, it's all about culture. And we're talking about culture and leading that business has to be based on culture and healthy cultures. And I cite good to great and many of those kinds of things in that book. Um, and one of the things I talked about in that book, which I think is very much a part of this conversation, is that one of the three C's of a healthy uh, organization is community that you you have your your business has to be a community and it has to be a community unto itself as in the community of xyz inc but it has to be part of a community meaning the physical place it is and it has to be part of a community that is industry and part of the global community and that that is the wave of the future that is where we are going i'm just wanting to give it a shove and want things to get moving along there a lot faster because, again, AI and you brought up uh, efficiency um, may put a stranglehold on that in the name of efficiency and profitability. And the I'm concerned for the dehumanization of business. A very good friend of mine, Stan Slap, uh, and I were having a conversation and we said, when religion has lost its moral fiber, which a lot of religion has, 
in this in the way that we see it in the world today um it's uh to say the least contradictory um in my studies of jesus um and the noptic uh, uh coptic and gnostic christianity uh this this character is magnificent and beautiful and i see christian ministers speaking in ways that are anything but aligned with that it's contradictory i have you know i've seen jews with machine guns it seems somewhat contradictory to me by the way i've also seen buddhists with machine guns um so you know when i see these contradictions and so when like uh when sen and i were talking about it we said you know when religion has lost its moral ground and politics um has lost its moral ground in the in the willingness to cross the aisle we may be left with morality in the hands of business and and it certainly has not been a good ground for that but maybe we are the place where it has to come back if everybody's focused on profit then maybe we are the ones that have to bring the moral ground back and say hold on a second let's make money in a community let's make money about serving the greater good let's make money about taking care of each other as opposed to taking care of just my shareholders it it's a it's an interesting thought any any i think it's interesting thought anyway your thoughts on that no it's it's actually it's it's very close to a line right out of the the introduction of my book uh which is that our political situation has become so degraded mm. it's difficult to see how there's a there's a solution there but we can agree in business we want to make more money right and if we recognize that a a healthy and an ethical culture in business will over the long term earn us more money yes then that becomes the motivation to be more ethical doing mm -hmm. what's best for others is what's best for me because then i get to live in a world that's a better place to live mm -hmm. and if we can transform our business culture because you know, we don't have to be there's one of the great sages of europe uh in the last century he said you don't have to be pious you have to be smart mm. and it's a beautiful idea because what it says is doing what's good is in your own best interest in the long term and truth is even in the short term because you have that sense of self-respect and tranquility and peace of mind and and mission and purpose which are the basis for happiness and if we can create business cultures that are more ethical then that will start to spill out i mean there are so many i've got all these um statistics on on my website and under the roi of uh, of ethics uh, harvard business studies um just the the numbers one that businesses grow faster when they when they are rated highest for ethics but the what it does for the employees for the people who yes. work there they're more engaged they're more aligned they're more satisfied there there's less turnover they they're less subject to burnout they're they're more empathetic towards their there's their their colleagues you work in a place like that 
and then you go home, you're not going to be blowing up at your wife and kids because of all the nonsense you had to deal with at work. And no. you're going to be waking up in the morning energized to go to work and be productive because you're part of a community that's involved in something. And you know, then you add into that Simon Sinek's whole idea of, of the why. Mm -hmm. is it's not just about making money. It's about accomplishing something. It's about building something. It's about a mission. And yeah, yeah we'll make money too. Sure. But now that's going to now spill out into society that may be ultimately the way that we change the culture, change the character, change our politics and learn to get along with each other despite our differences. Is there, is there you know, uh, when you look at it, and I know this is a big question, so if you, if you can't answer it, I understand. Is there a country that you look at on the geopolitical platform and say, here's a country who seems to operate in that way, in the way you've just talked about, uh, uh, you know, that is a moral, ethical, the good of the greater good, um, uh, and operating out of good as opposed to status or whatever it might be. Do you see any of that on the political, on the, political horizon on the global country horizon you mean in terms of government culture yeah in, in a governmental culture because that's what's what's you know that is what's running the country even though the people might be different yeah i mean i think you find you can find isolated examples um you know the the, the willingness of of Germany in particular, and so many European countries to take in Syrian refugees, um, you know, there, there's certainly lots of problems that have generated from that that may end up making it lighten them in the ass. Yeah, yeah, not the not the long term wisest solution. But it was I, I think it came from a place of social responsibility. And that's my point. That is exactly my point, the social responsibility. That I think that you know, you you might even be able to throw away the word ethics and morality, which people will maneuver around, and come to what is your social and personal responsibility as a human being? Do you want to be a better human being? Can you sleep well? If you're not a narcissist or a sociopath, can you sleep well at night with this decision? knowing that it wasn't just about taking care of your own, but taking care of something bigger is, is for me, that is, you know, all the wonderful Kabbalistic stories that I learned, you know, as a kid um, in my Jewish studies were these wonderful, they were moral and ethical stories. That's what they were always about, yeah. but they were never about the individual. They were not even about an individual's morality. In fact, um, um, uh, what's the name of that story? It was one of my favorite stories. Um, uh, Chaim uh, Haganov HaKodesh. Do you know that story? And it's the story of the holy thief. Because, you know, as you know, right? Yeah. HaKodesh is, is holy and 
a Ganef is a thief, and it, and it and it talks about how he was a holy Jew, and how he you know he operated as a holy Jew. And again, it's this letter of the law, spirit of the law conversation. And it was told to me in my uh, studies not to make this right or wrong, but to have us question at a deeper level. Where do you stand in this conversation? Do you stand on the side of the law? Because it's wrong to steal. Or do you stand on the, on the line of the faith? Right? Which is, oh, hold on a second. I mean, it seems like when I talk to you, my friend, one of the things I'm really impressed by is your willingness to, to go to the place outside of your own faith, but to go to the place of saying, we have got to be better human beings. Am I, is that a fair comment? That's, someone once said, uh, what's the definition of a good Jew? The answer is somebody who's trying to be a better Jew. Yeah. So let's universalize it. What's the, what's the definition of a good human being? Somebody who's trying, trying to be, better, to be a better constantly. human being. Now, you know, it, it's, and of course, we, you're always going to get stuck in that gray because when, when, when the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself, it means first you have to take care of yourself. Yep. And if I give all my money, by Jewish law, you're not allowed to give more than 20% of your, your income to, to charity. Mm -hmm. Because if you do, you're likely to impoverish yourself and you become a charity case. Yes. And there are extraordinary situations where people did in you know, cases of emergency. But as a, as a rule of thumb, you know, don't be overly righteous. Right. Don't, don't put yourself in harm's way so that you end up not being able to take care of yourself or other people. So when you have hundreds of thousands of ref refugees, when you have people coming across your southern border, I mean, these are not simple issues. No. How, how, who's going to come in? How do you let them in? How do you decide who gets in? How do you secure your, keep yourself secure while being humanitarian? It's messy. There's no app to tell you the answer on how to solve these problems. And that's why we have to change our thinking. We have to cultivate a mindset that says, I'm going to get into the mud. I'm going to deal with these difficult, thorny problems that don't have simple solutions. Mm -hmm. You know, this is what I do in my book. My book is a collection of vignettes of ethical dilemmas. Yes. And the whole idea is don't try to identify right or wrong immediately. Try to understand, understand this side. Try to understand that side. Try to look if there's another way of, a third way. And then put it all together and see what you can come up with to strike the most equitable balance. And we're not all gonna, gonna, going to agree. Sometimes we're not, sometimes we're gonna be conflicted within ourselves because I got two candidates to vote for. They both stink. What am I gonna do? Right. But you know what you're saying there is this challenge for us to be better humans, as you said, and and I think that that is, you know, again outside of the the, the neurology of a human being being in a particular 
a mental illness or whatever humans uh, we have to remember that that's our our calling is to to find a way to be better and i don't know that that's uh through a particular faith um or not um i think that it's it's that call for that personal responsibility but i see that also used i mean so much of it is a double-edged sword um you know personal responsibility so you know pull yourself up by your bootstraps well what if i don't have any bootstraps right you know i i will tell you that as a kid i grew up very poor and my original attachment to lubavitch was because of the jewish benevolence society you know because they they gave my mother food and they gave us clothes when we were so poor that that's all we had i hated it i did not like it some people were fine with it i didn't and you know i hated getting those things i didn't like charity um and i and i wish there wasn't charity i wish there was something that was an empowering rather than charity because it sets up a victim mentality um and well, so i'm not highest, in favor of that the highest form of charity hmm? the highest form of charity is to get somebody a job right so i rather empower somebody uh than give them a charity but giving them a leg up that's fine but give them a leg up to something that has that level of personal responsibility, but you can't pull your boots. You can't pull yourself up by bootstraps. You don't have. And that's so, uh, I just think that's, that's just cruel. It's just a cruel statement. Um, and one of the things that you've talked about in the book, um, that I think is very important. Um, and it comes to exactly what we talked about, which is hypocrisy um that we can't tolerate hypocrisy if we're going to really hold a set of values and, and um and we have to find ways across the aisle whether those are political aisles or other aisles um you know you you mentioned uh recently a, in a piece you did around uh uh Finkelstein um, congratulating Lindsey Graham on, Feinstein, on yeah. you know, uh, now I think, you know, I have my own opinions about Amy Cole, Amy, Amy I was getting her name wrong, Amy, Co Amy Barrett Cole. Coley Barrett, yeah. Yeah, Coley Barrett, thank you. Um, I have definitely very different opinions about her, but I agree about the reaching across the island, congratulating. However, and, and I think it's, hypocritical for the left to say well the right don't reach across <laughs> you know yeah. okay well you know now you're criticizing somebody reaching across you're hypocritical at the same time to be lindsey graham and say you can hold my word against me it's completely improper to put a a, a supreme court judge in in the final year and then to do it in the final weeks and completely completely argue against yourself also hypocrisy but that's part of the challenge is that this piece around where we started, which is justification. It's like that human ability to justify anything. You know, I've had many conversations about what I call the good Germans of America. That's what I call them. And what the good Germans of America are, are the German people who lived in Germany at the beginning of the Second World War, who were not Nazis by any stroke of the imagination, who were not Jews, but were certainly not in favor of any of that craziness that went on.
they were good Germans who said nothing, who just tolerated and just went, it's fine. You know, I can't leave here. This is my home. I built a business here. My family's here. I can't leave. Yeah, I think these people are crazy, but I'm not going to move. And I'm worried about the good Germans who are Americans today, who are seeing crazy shit that is incredibly hypocritical, not saying left or right. I'm saying that's going on in the political arena who haven't found their own center. Because when you find that center, I believe, when you find that center, you find courage. When you find that center, you find courage and you, and you are, uh, as Martin Luther King said, you're willing to stand up against what is wrong. And that to me is the failing, is that we don't stand up and say, I believe this is wrong. I believe that this is less than human, not, not left or right or, or, or Jewish or Christian or secular. It's just not morally good for human beings. Is that what we're missing? Yeah, listen, it's hard. It I mean, is. It's, it's, and it's scary to think how we would have acted if we would have been ordinary Germany, Germans. Mm-hmm. In, 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 in Hitler's time. Oh, yeah, we all got it's high easy. moral ground looking back. Yeah, it's easy to look back. And, you know, sure. It's like, uh, you know. But, you know, one of my heroes is Martin Niemöller, who was the pastor who spoke out against the Nazis. And, and he's famous for the, you know, when they came for the trade unionists, I, I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. When they came for the communists, I didn't speak up. Uh, when they came for the Jews, I didn't speak up. And when they came for me, there was nobody left to speak up. Right. And he was, and he was in, you know, he went to the camps. Yeah. But he survived. Mm -hmm. And he's remembered for that. So what did he change? Did he, did he save one life by standing up to the Nazis? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But he had that courage. He had that conviction. I can't live in silence. Because if I do, then I've joined them. Then I have sacrificed my own humanity. And, you know, it, it goes back to your question about business. You know, every, if we look at everything in terms of cost benefit analysis, well, it just doesn't make sense to speak up. It just doesn't make sense to, to go against the, the current. It doesn't make sense. But what happens to us and our humanity if we aren't willing to take a stand, if we aren't willing to ask more from ourselves, if we aren't willing to try to define more clearly what's right and what we ought to do and what we're duty bound to do. Uh, that's, that's how we rise as a society. And that's how we rise as individuals. And that moral compass, I believe, is not possible without self-inquiry, without the willingness to go from being a secular hitchhiker who, um, I believe in college, you said that you were an atheist and then you became an agnostic and now you're a conservative Jew. Orthodox, even more extreme. Orthodox Jew, <laughs> I mean, but that's the, that's the, you know, for me, that's the willingness to evolve and i think that 
when we stop evolving, I want to evolve till the till my last breath. When we stop evolving, we immediately become what we own as our own righteousness and we stop listening. And and so that that's why the sign off of this show is right behind my head is stay curious, right? We have to stay curious, but not just about others, but about ourselves and about our own our own rationale, our own logic, our own reasoning that may be built on 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 sand and we just don't know it until the until the tides come in and and i love that you're you're asking us to grapple with the gray and i really want to thank you for that i want to thank you for for the book uh, and for for what you're doing with that book for the questions that you're bringing up and moreover in such a beautiful jewish tradition for not coming up with the answers um, because, you know, I can remember sitting with my rabbis and there'd be five or six of us in the room and he'd read a passage from the Zohar, right? He'd, and he'd translate it into English for the dumbasses like me who didn't understand it. And he'd translate it into English. And then five of us would sit in the room and he'd say, okay, tell me what it means, but not one of you are allowed to repeat anything anybody else says. And it was to stretch us, to make us think about things and and at the end, he would ask, who's right? And every one of us had to admit that each one of us was right in ways we didn't agree with, right? And that, that's what I love, you know, that I really feel like you've followed that tradition. And, and I don't know if that's a compliment or an insult to you, but I feel like you've followed that tradition and done so well with that. So thank you. No, it's my pleasure. And one of the one of the great sages in, in Ethics of Fathers, he he tells his students, go and see which is the straight path a person should follow, or the good path a person should follow. And the five of them, wherever it was they went, they came back and each one had a different answer. And when he got to the last, when they when they'd all spoken, he said, I I see the words of Rabbi Elazar, because all of your words are included in his words. Because all the others were trying to break down what's the single most critical elemental point here. And what Rabbi Elazar said saw is that you can't do that. You can't just focus on one aspect to the exclusion of all the others, because it's a process. And it's and it's a it's it's a it's a harmony. You know, harmony means everything is in the right place, doing the right job, in concert with everything else. And every every instrument in the orchestra makes a different noise. And and if you think about that, I, mean, I love that analogy of the orchestra, I've used that many times, because I say, if you think about that without the conductor, it's a mess. And what does King David say? How does he introduce so many of his Psalms for the conductor? Right. Who's the conductor? Right. When you don't hear the only one not making any noise. Exactly. Without whom you don't have an orchestra, you don't have a symphony. Right. And so the question is, what will you make the orchestra of your be? Uh, what will you make the conductor rather of your behavior? And maybe that's your religion and your faith. And maybe it's something else, but that willingness to understand, you know, because somebody might listen to this, you know, you guys got into the weeds and it got kind of messy and like, 
that is the point. Exactly. That is entirely the point. It is, uh, this is what life is. It's not black and white. It is in the weeds. It is messy. It's roll up your sleeves. And it's let me, let me see the beauty and the magnificence in you as a person I may disagree with entirely or a, piece of, a person I agree with entirely. That that's what makes it beautiful. Uh, I don't agree with everything my wife says and I love her more than any human being on the planet. Uh, it's messy. And that's part of, I think, what makes it beautiful in life is, is we'd go looking for everything to be the same and be nice, but it's not about that. The beauty, the deliciousness is in the many flavors on the plate of life. It's not just eating, you know, boiled eggs for the rest of your life. Yeah, you just reminded me that uh, many, many years ago, I, uh, I hated impressionist art. It just, it just looked like silliness to me right and i was i was in, an, in a gallery and i was looking at an impressionist painting trying to figure out what's the big deal and right next to me there were a couple of people and one was explaining the the picture to the painting to to the other and suddenly i got it mm. every individual dab of color by itself is able to fuse as you back away, when you go up close, it looks like a mess. When you back away and you get context and you get perspective and everything comes together into this beautiful harmony of imagery and color. And I mean, isn't that what, is there anything greater for a society, for community? I mean, isn't that community? Individuals, relationships, marriage, parents, children, individuals who by nature are distinct and, and don't fit together easily or neatly, making it work, yeah. however imperfectly. What could be more beautiful than that? Absolutely. Well, Jonasen, this has been a gift. I would actually go far, as far as to say it's been a brocha. Thank you for the blessing. It has really been so. I really have enjoyed our conversation. Um, I want to ask you again to please let our viewers and listeners know where they can find out more about you, your books, your resources, and how to reach out to you if they want to. Yeah, please. Uh, my website is my name, Yonason Goldson, Y-O-N-A-S-O-N, G-O-L-D-S-O-N.com. Um, and encourage people to read out there, reach out there. Are, uh, I've got some freebies available, uh, eBooks and such that, that people can request uh, should they be interested. And uh, always always eager to continue the conversation. Also active on LinkedIn quite a bit. If you look Fabulous. for me, you'll find me. Fabulous. And again, we'll make sure all those things go into the show notes for you. Again, you remember that you can join in the conversation inside of our Facebook and LinkedIn groups as well. And uh, I hope that you have truly enjoyed this conversation. I want to encourage you to stay curious, my friend. Stay curious as you grapple with the gray. And consider this, that everything you think is right is wrong to someone else. Everything you think is wrong is right to someone else. And that your humanity lies in your willingness to take responsibility, not just for yourself, but for the world that you live in. Choose to live from a place not only of love and compassion and empathy, but from a place of curiosity the willingness to discover 
what you do not know about what it is you know, as well as what it is you do not know at all. Till next time, my name is Dove Baron. You can find out more about me at dovebaron.com. We really appreciate it if you go out and share the show with everybody you know. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to write to me, you can write to dove at dovebaron.com. Tell us what you got out of the show, what you're going to do with it. And please, as I said, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Share it with everybody you know. We need these messages to get out to more and more people. If this is that impact on you, then please share it with others. Till next time, Dove Baron, stay curious, my friends. Stay curious.